0: Michigan's short track racing authority is Horsepower Happenings.
1: Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport Florida driver Danny Sims III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemmler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome to Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of race operations for the
0: ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over
1: 50 years of industry experience from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes On into turns three and four. on to the Stamp on sideways, Greg Dalman wins. Yeah,
0: guys, wholesale uh, right-side tire changes, that that seems to be the decision. All down.
2: Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track
1: owners, series promoters, and so much more.
3: You
0: know, after about eight hours of months of
1: medical time here, they, uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that all at once.
3: Plus, local news, analysis, and
2: opinions you didn't ask for.
0: She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment
1: there at Anti Camp Your Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive, these are some of the most high paying races in the country. From
2: the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich Fry. Good evening race
1: fans and welcome in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings on an absolutely bea beautiful Monday afternoon. Uh, It's race week for yours truly, so I'm I'm on the rev limiter a little bit. I'm excited. I'm ready to get going with Champion Racing Association. More on that coming up, but first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. If you race in the Arkhaminards East Series and a Gibbs Racing number 18 pulls into the pits, might as well load up shop and head home because William Swalich has picked up right where Sammy Smith and Ty Gibbs left off over the last almost five years. So Alic led every rotation at Five Flag Speedway in route to Victory Lane on Saturday with the Arkham and Arts East Series. How about Zane Smith, AJ Almondinger, and Tyler Reddick from Circuit of the Americas over the weekend. Zane Smith got the win in the Truck Series, literally burned his truck down in Victory Lane. Maybe we should reconsider the mud flaps. AJ Allmendinger, that guy, uh, dominates on road courses. He proved it again in the Xfinity Series. And then Tyler Reddick survived a chaotic final few laps at Coda to uh, get the win on Sunday with the NASCAR Cup Series. Carson Quapel picked up a win in the Cars late model stock at Florence Motor Speedway. That was a fun race to watch. Multiple late race restarts, lane changes, and a lot of bumper tag in the final few laps. It was a really good show for the fans. Brandon Ward picked up the win over the weekend in the Smart Modifieds from Carraway Speedway. That another thrilling event that saw several caution flags and a lot of uh, different changes as far as strategy goes. And, uh, Rich, this kind of breaking right before we recorded our uh, show tonight, a lot of thoughts, prayers, and concern going out right now for the CEO of Big Machine Label, Big Machine Vodka, and, of course, Big Machine Racing, who fields cars in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, CEO Scott Borchetta is in the hospital in stable condition after a crash in his uh, in his race car. He was racing in the Trans AM2 Series at Road Atlanta uh, when he made a vicious impact driver's side first with the uh, barrier. He is at a, a local hospital and is listed in stable condition. So uh, that's a, a scary incident for sure for Borschetta. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. Hey, it's going to feel real good to not be
0: 1-0 on the CRA scoreboard. You get to catch up with <laughs> me this
1: weekend. <laughs> yeah, you kind of helped kick us off down in Georgia with some pit road duties, and uh, I'm excited. We're going to do Cabin Fever from Shady Bowl Speedway on Sunday. Uh, more details on that coming up, but uh, I'll get to hold the big microphone, work with Adam, work with Cody Geyer and uh, we're going to have some fun, late model sportsmen and street stocks.
0: Yeah, while, while we're on um – ASA CRA subject. Uh, the ASA Southern Super Series, Zach, is going to uh, get into action again this weekend at Chris Motorsports Park for the Georgia Spring Nationals 125 coming up this Saturday. Uh, this will be the first of two point races for the series at Watermelon Capital Speedway in 2023. The drivers will be competing for a $10,000 first place check on Saturday night under the lights. And Zach, if you're wondering who to keep an eye on, I think it's got to be Bubba Pollard. Pollard picked up uh, the win back in January at Speedfest uh, had, and had one of the fastest cars at Five Flags Speedway for the inaugural ASA Stars National Tour opener. Uh, all Pollard has done since then, Zach, sweep the Rattler weekend at South Alabama Speedway. Uh, Pollard's fourth so- Southern Super Series wins in Cordill lead all drivers. Corey Heim trails Pollard with two wins, with several other drivers logging one win apiece. Racing kicks off at 5 p.m. on Saturday. And, Zach, we have talked several times uh, about what happened to Bubba Pollard, but apparently not much uh, because he is right where he was just a few short years ago.
1: Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I think that's concerning <laughs> if you race super late models. If you're
0: racing against Bubba yeah. Pollard, yeah, it's yeah. concerning. Yeah,
1: but uh, I'm sure, you know, you, you're a fan of his. You know, there's no two ways about that. You enjoy watching that 26 car. Um his fans, his supporters, and himself, right, he and his team, man, what a relief that's got to be to finally see him performing because there's got to become a point in your career when that starts happening and you wonder, is this the end?
0: And, and I think we believe, you know, we, we were at so many races where it wasn't happening for him, you know. Um, I mean, he if it wasn't happening, he'd just pull in the infield and just call it a day. And be done, yeah. And, and, and obviously he was working through chassis and and research and development stuff. And maybe those couple years where he wasn't the guy that scared you when he rolled it out of the rig, um, maybe that's paying off now because – I I haven't seen him show up to a racetrack where he wasn't fast in 2023. Absolutely.
1: Hey, some huge news broke over the span of about three days. It started when Winston Speedway officially went up for sale. There had been a lot of question about what was going to happen to the Rothbury, Michigan facility. There had been no announcement of any schedule, no announcement of anyone promoting it. And then all of a sudden there was a link for the facility up for sale. And let me give you a little clue, Rich France. The price tag was so low Horsepower Happenings almost took a loan out to buy this thing. It was priced to move. And I thought we had I
0: thought we had the deal half closed already.
1: I, well, we did. And then yeah. Scott and Pam Phillips swooped in, and they finalized the deal. Now, Scott and Pam Phillips, no strangers to circle track racing or dirt track racing at all, especially in the state of Michigan. Uh, Scott, a former driver, before becoming a car owner for uh, Travis Stemler, most notably, and then uh, over the last couple of years uh, has put a couple of different drivers in the seat, including... Uh, I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. Jake Thompson and Greg Gokie. Greg Gokey, thank you very much. Um, so trade in, well, I can't say that because I don't know for sure, but likely trade in the race hauler for a track grader, and Scott and Pam Phillips are uh, the new owners of Winston Speedway. Now, here's the thing just announced today. They will have a driver's meeting on Sunday, this coming Sunday, April 2nd, and they are planning to try very, very hard to meet the opening date at the end of April, they do plan to race this season, and they want to try to get a full season in. So they want to try to start here in uh, about four weeks, which is going to be very, very tough to do, but they want to try.
0: Yeah, with all these, with all the other racetracks having all winter to get their plans set together, uh, I hope they make it. Uh, I, I I, think um, this is much, much better than watching Winston just sit there and, and grow weeds around it. So... Uh, we were all nervous that that, that nobody was going to be interested in and, and pick it up. And I'm really proud, uh, you know, for Scott and Pam for uh, taking the reins on this deal. And if they get it ready in four weeks, fantastic. If it takes a couple, so what? Yeah, uh, a, a lot of tracks up at that end of our state don't really get rolling till the middle of May. You know, um, they're just fighting weather conditions and weather conditions. So we'll see. But either way there will be racing at Winston in 2023.
1: This is a really bizarre, and Rich, you know, just by nature, you've been around this sport longer than I have, Um, so you have to tell me if you ever remember anything like this before. This now makes an even half-dozen racetracks with new promoters coming in for 2023 it all kind of started with thunderbird raceway when mike blackmer announced that he was going to give that up and uh, the new promoters came in there then ron flynn out at crystal motor speedway new promoters in there i-96 speedway no longer being promoted by jeff dice we do hear rumors that that Facility has changed hands. However, nothing official uh, that we can talk about yet, but we have heard rumor uh, on, on pretty good grounds that that facility has changed hands. Montville Speedway, new ownership coming in. They're going to help, uh, you know, they're kind of doing the Montville M40 thing. Ken Ross Speedway, management slash promotership uh, north of the bridge has changed hands. And then, of course, everyone knows about Owasso Speedway's changing of hands as well. Um, and so th- that is a lot of racetracks. And I'm not even counting Owasso, or excuse me, Corrigan Oil Speedway, who's only running six events this year, and that facility is for sale. Um, You know, we're not talking about that place. We're not including Butler Motor Speedway and Tim Wilbur, who's now coming into his sophomore season of promoting a racetrack. There is a lot, a lot of new ownership and new promoters in our state right now, Rich. And I think as much excitement as there was for the first couple, now you begin to wonder... Is this good, bad, or indifferent about so many racetracks changing hands all at the same time?
0: Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I'm just, Of course, we have never seen anything like this um, in such a short period of time. You know, a lot of the other tracks are pretty stable, right? So you don't see anybody, um, you know, new management or new promoters. Coming in you know I'm pretty safe to say Ron Drager's holding on to Flat Rock Speedway <laughs> um, You know uh, I don't know how long You know How long Gary Howe is going to continue running Kalamazoo you know they kind of Turned turned that over I think it was last year sure. uh, And Gary was still running it So uh you know And you got uh, you know Jeff Striegel up there At Berlin that's is I don't know how long he wants to do this uh, Maybe that's what he wants to do uh, after putting the mic down or something, but, uh, we'll have to see. I mean, you know, it it looks like, looks like Birch runs pretty stable right now. They got the group there that they want running things and they're doing a heck of a job. So we'll have to see. I mean, no, I've never seen all of this in one off season. Um, that that's really shocking actually surprising.
1: I think that it's, um, it is encouraging, right? That there is, we talk a lot about in our sport, like who's the next generation, you know, queue up, Cue up the uh, the the old George Jones song. Who's gonna fill their shoes, right? And you know there was a lot of question. You know when you look at at the Ron Flins and the and the Merle Holdens and you know, I'm sorry Gary, the Gary House of our sport now. Um, you know Mike Blackmer, no spring chicken. You know, sorry Mike, it's true. Who's gonna be next, right? To help keep these racetracks afloat and in, in an operation um you know berlin they've got the fair board behind them a little bit that kind of helps their their case um i and then you just look at the last five years as we mentioned jeff striegel new promoter at berlin tim Wilbur, new promoter at butler you know mike blackmer new promoter at tri-city motor speedway um there's just been a lot of big changes you go the last 10 years springport motor speedways changed hands a couple of times right uh birch run speedway changed hands so Corgan oil changed hands. I mean, it's just been there's not a lot of tenure in in our ownership right now in in Michigan. And when that happens, I think it's cause for concern about some unstab- un- unstable unstable circumstances.
0: Yeah I, and and it's not the best job to have, Zach, really? I mean, ever since the uh, rise, let's just say rise uh, with social media, you're not the most popular guy in the joint anymore. No, no, you know, you're fighting fans and you're fighting the back pit area and and everybody's got a different opinion on how you should run the racetrack. Uh, that has to take a toll on you that none of us that don't do that can ever imagine. Right. Um, and maybe that is taking a toll on how long you want to do that because it can be frustrating. It can drive you crazy and it can make you not want to do this. Uh, that you say with your life, I shouldn't have to deal with this right on a weekly or monthly basis Yeah, with everything. So maybe that is because I don't recall back in the day before the rise of social media and how it's gotten um, that there was a lot of tracks changing hands.
1: So keep in mind when you go to Thunderbird, Ken Ross, Crystal, I-96, M-40, Owasso, Let's even throw Corrigan Oil in there because we're just not really sure how that's all going to play out for these six races this year. Keep in mind, uh, and Butler, right in year two, Berlin has got it going on with Jeff Striegel, but I think the same can be said. When you go to any racetrack this summer, keep in mind that without these people, we don't have auto racing because we have six new people who have bought these racetracks and Rich, they are keeping them racetracks. Not a lot of, not a lot. I mean, those are really good odds. (laughs) Those are really good statistics that I don't think a lot of people uh, can say uh, in other places of our country right now. A lot of places are getting bought for development here in Michigan. They're getting bought to continue to be racetracks.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're glad they're not industrial buildings and and shopping centers and new neighborhoods. Right. Right. Um, It's very easy because there's more money in that stuff than there is in racing. Yep. You can go ask any of the promoters they ain't getting rich at this stuff, you know, (laughs) right. I mean, it's pretty, we've talked to enough of them. Uh, They're doing it because they love the sport and um, this year more than ever, give them a little bit of slack. You know, that you got to give them time. Is everybody going to probably make a mistake? Yeah. Everybody does. Even the, even the most um, experienced promoters make a mistake here and there, but let, let them learn. everything's going to be fine. Um, It's not going to be one year. Oh, my God, I can't do this. We we just need to be patient with them because a racetrack running is much better than it being a property for something else.
1: Yeah, and there's some great organizations and some great people that want to see these places succeed, not only us here at Horsepower Happenings, but, Rich, uh, another uh, organization that you are fortunate enough to sit on the board of. And speaking of those folks, uh, there's some exciting stuff coming up.
0: Yeah, the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club, we've had some fun with them this year. We, uh, I got to go to the banquet. Uh, that was pretty cool. And then we uh, made it out to the bowling tournament and had some fun there. But now they're ready to kick off their 58th season on Sunday, April 16th at the Birch Run Speedway. And they're going to do it in a very big way. Doors open at 12 noon with food available for purchase at 1230. They'll have a race car display on the concourse along with series and track promoters, uh, have having tables set up there as well so you can talk to them. Uh, the fan club meeting will kick off at 2 p.m. in the clubhouse and you'll be able to hear from our always interesting guest speakers. Then at 4 p.m. Zach, a party in the Gas Alley Bar, uh, the longest bar in the state of Michigan from what I understand, with country music entertainer Tyler Roy. You'll also have a chance to renew or sign up for your new fan club membership as well. So mark it down, Sunday, April 16th, 12 noon, Birch run speedway be there you like that <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I
1: like that. You should work in radio.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Hey, they say I have a face for radio. That well, yeah, I get told that all the time too. So don't worry about it. Hey, uh, let me have your attention, uh, attention class, undivided attention, please. Uh, it's announcement time, and I'm excited to get a chance to do this. First and foremost, Horsepower Happenings is really excited to announce a partnership with Home Pro Roofing, with locations in Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. Home Pro Roofing is a huge supporter of Circle Track Racing. Uh, Shannon Eifert, of course, we. We know owns Home Pro Racing now this year. Uh, we've been talking a lot about their program and what they have going on. They've now teamed up, Rich. Here's the, here's the announcement part. They've now teamed up with Horsepower Happenings to uh, work throughout the summer, throughout the racing months, April through September, to award the Home Pro Hammer of the Month. So what is the Home Pro Hammer of the Month? Home Pro Hammer of the Month will be awarded on a monthly basis to the most uh, consistent, highest-performing winged sprint car driver, in our region, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Great Lakes Super Sprints, Attica Fremont Challenge Series, um, All-Star Circuit of Champions when they come to town, World of Outlaws if they get close. Whoever is like consistently winning races or consistently posting top five finishes throughout the month will be determined as the home pro hammer of the month, and the listeners get involved too. Horsepower Happenings is going to narrow that list of drivers down to two, and then the fourth week of the month – there will be a social media campaign for the fans to decide who the best driver of the month was, who that Home Pro Hammer of the month is. Then we will bring them on Horsepower Happenings and talk to that driver, that Home Pro Hammer of the month. Also, they will be awarded a $25 fuel card courtesy of Home Pro Roofing just by being the Home Pro Hammer of the month. So really excited to announce that program um of course i have great ties to uh, sprint car racing with butler just down the street and then of course uh, my association with barry and the great lake super sprints so uh, home pro roofing loves racing they love doing a great job on roofs and helping people save money and and you know be able to finance for everybody and so this is a cool program that we're excited to do this summer and by the way rich it kicks off this weekend. April 1st is on Sunday, so be watching the races on Friday and Saturday and keep it in mind as we work through the month of April. Keep those drivers in mind that uh, they could be the home pro hammer of the month at the end of the month. We need to
0: see if we can wrap one of those $25 gas cards and a couple of Horsepower Happening stickers <laughs> for the
1: wings. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we to could get them up on there. I think we could find a way to do that. So uh, be sure to keep an eye on uh, Horsepower Happening's Facebook Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and, of course, our website for more details on the Home Pro Hammer of the Month. But if you are a sprint car, a winged sprint car fan or a winged sprint car driver, your favorite driver or your team could be the Home Pro Hammer of the Month, Uh, April through September, right here on Horsepower Happenings. Hey, you know, speaking of race season, it's almost here. Um, My buddy Justin, I've been on the phone with him a lot this week. He is knocking it out of the park with MI Service Solutions. They've been doing all sorts of stuff with racetracks all across the state. He's been at a lot of driver meetings. A lot of folks are talking about the Race siever deals and the Light Seaver. This is the new piece of technology that was put out over the winter that basically it's a flagman in your race car. No more worrying about missing the light. No more worrying about whether or not, you know, your race receiver is loud enough that you can hear the caution call from the race director. A little LED light inside of your cockpit will change colors when the racetrack changes conditions. If it goes to yellow, it's going to flash three times yellow inside of your car so that you know to lift and don't end up being that guy who comes into the wreck 25 seconds later and causes a thousand dollars worth of more damage to the guy who spun out. If the track goes red, Very important, right? You gotta get your car stopped so safety crews can get to the scene as quick as they can. That thing's going to flash red at you three times. That way you know to pull over and get your car stopped as quickly and as safely as possible. You can get those right now through MI Service Solutions. Um, next day, uh, shipping on things that are available. And by the way, we're talking receivers. We're talking transponders. We're talking pouches. If you're a racetrack, we're talking installation. We're talking uh, you know racetrack deals on big packs of transponders if you need to do that. M.I. Service Solutions on Facebook. Order online anytime at MIServiceSolutions.com. And don't forget to use that promo code HPH10. That's Henry, Paul, Henry, or Horse Power Happenings, the number 10, and you'll get 10% off of your order instantly at checkout.
0: Well, Zach, continuing on with uh, Michigan Motorsports History Month, uh, presented by Sweet Manufacturing. Uh, Zach, I had the honor of racing against three Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famers during my career. Uh, two of them I am privileged to consider friends, and our next guest falls into that category. Uh, one of only two drivers in the history of Flat Rock Speedway with over 100 feature wins. The other one was Joy Fair. He was a 2001 inductee into the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. Bob Stute, welcome to Horsepower Happenings.
3: Hey, glad to be here.
0: Man, take me back. I, we always like to start at the beginning, and, and I know there's more to the story, but uh, you had a choice, I guess, back in – I. We're going all the way back to 1965. You either pumped gas one night or you went to the racetrack. Tell me how that went
3: down. <laughs> well, my mom had been going out to the track, and all she kept telling me about was how crazy that figure-eight race was. So I was working at a gas station, and uh, I had a choice one night to just stay there and pump gas or to go out with the, with one of the guys there and work in the infield on the wrecker. And I went out to the track, and kind uh, of haven't got out of the habit since. <laughs>
0: So from that, so when did you start building your first car? Was it that summer or? Well, a couple of us,
3: uh, like three guys in the neighborhood, we got together and we kind of patched one together, and uh, we each got the hot lap at that night. And of course, the last guy he totaled the car, but the, those few hot laps I got was all it took. And next year, I was I was on my on my way then.
1: What was it about uh, that trip? so you go and you're you're working the wrecker and you know your mom says man these figure eight races are pretty sweet you go out there you agree figure eight racing circle track racing it's all pretty cool um not many people take the jump from being someone who enjoys racing and being a fan to owning a race car what 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 i mean what hooked you or what captivated you or was there a moment where you said i'm going to own one of these and i'm going to do what they're doing
3: well nobody in my family raced or knew anything about them and i was always kind of interested in cars. And I had such a bad driving record and couldn't stay out of trouble there. So I thought, you know, maybe I should try something like this. And it was just fun. I mean, that I, I haven't done a whole lot of things in my life It was as much fun as racing a figure-eight race.
1: And so that hot lap session that you're able to take, um, does somebody say – you know, I think of the Days of Thunder movie. All right, kid, now go get your own car, and we'll see what it, <laughs> we'll see what it's really about. Was there anything like that, or I mean, did it just continue to fuel the fire that Yeah, we, Bob Stude's going to own his own race car.
3: Well, there was nothing left of that car after the third guy a hot lapped it and crashed it, and that oh, was the end of no. that car. Oh so, no! If I was going to race anymore, I had to build my own because them two guys had quit. Oh wow! <laughs>
1: All right, so what is the path to you getting your own race car? Tell me that story.
3: The path uh, I fiddled around for, oh, um, probably, uh, four or five years there and just, um, you know, I was out there, but I wasn't, I was more interested in doing other stuff and, uh, I'd get out there just in time to hot lap and spin out about four or five times before I qualified. And then, uh, my dad put his foot down one day and said, you know, if we're going to do this, we've got to change the way we do things. And about the same time, uh, met my future father-in-law and, um, he had a car that was near a top 10 car and we were drinking some beer one night. And he says, I got a, I got a car. I don't have a driver. I said, boy, I have the plan for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and We hooked up that year and we we run pretty decent. We were uh, probably a bounce around the top 10 car, which is way improved from where I ever drove and uh, had a lot of fun, but we partied more than we raced and um, car broke down a lot and we broke up during that winter. And my dad wasn't, much of a racer, but he was really into bookwork. And he made me uh every time something would happen, in my car or somebody else's, he would uh ask me what it was and write it down then he made up a maintenance schedule and uh told me to stick to that and that's when the car quit breaking down all the time and it got to be a lot more fun and got to start got to start, you know, finishing good and
0: stuff. We had Ron Allen on the show a couple years ago when he was inducted and he said it took him several years before he ever even was good enough to, to win his first feature event. How did how did how how long did it take you?
3: Uh, let's see, 1970, I believe it was. It was up at Spartan Speedway, and Dick Simmons had won everything, and they had a $100 bounty on him. And I, I started in if he was running at the end of the race. Well, I started in the front and took a whole bunch of stupid chances and got away with him, and he got tangled up two or three times, and I just happened to beat him by a little bit. So that was the first feature win in, let's see, that was starting in 65. That was 70, but it, it, it took me probably four or five more years before I started, before I went anymore, and those were down at Toledo. So I would say in the first nine years, I had one feature win.
0: And then and I was kind of locked into that. <laughs> yeah, and, but you get through those nine years, you start winning them, and it's like the cap comes off, you know? Now they can't keep you out of victory lane.
3: Oh yeah, they do. They just, that last year I raced, that's why I quit. I started on the pole three times and never come close to winning. There, there was a time if I started on the pole, they didn't even need to run the race. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you, I thought, you know what, if I start on the pole and I can't even come close to winning, it's time for me to quit. <laughs> what was So uh,
1: before I talk about that, I want to talk about a, t- a time where you unloaded at the racetrack and knew that you were, I'm not going to say unbeatable, but if you started on the pole that you, you know, you just said it your own words. So, what is what is that like? I mean, many people in our sport are, you know, lucky to get one feature win in their lifetime, let alone accomplish what you've accomplished. Um what what is that mentality or that mindset or how how did you handle knowing that when you unloaded you were going to be one of the guys that had they had to go through to get to Victory Lane?
3: Oh, god. It's it's kind of hard to explain. Well, you know, I I went along for about 20 years and really had to cut corners and nickels and dimes and stuff and and then after I won a little bit, I got, I started getting some sponsors, and once I got some sponsors, I could bet, buy better equipment and stuff, and um, and the experience too. By that time, you know, I started in '65, actually about '70. By the time I settled down, but it it got into the mid '80s, you know, before it got to that point, almost late '80s before it got to the point where you know, when I, when I went out there, I knew I was one of the people to beat. So you know, it it took about fifteen years, but I won a bunch of races in between.
1: How, how do you how do you hand, so how did you handle that though? I mean, were you looking back? Do you think, um, you know, was it yeah, I'm Bob Stute, you're gonna have to beat me, or were you like knew that you could be beat? I mean, I, I guess I don't know. Like, do you, do you go into it confident, not cocky, or do you go into it cocky and say, you guys, you boys are gonna have to have your a game tonight? No, I wasn't real
3: cocky about it because I knew how quick it could end. You know, and. Sure. Uh, it it got hard cuz there was a streak of about 15 years there. Well, I won a lot of races. And uh you know there there was guys would come by and it it's you know congratulations or something like that and after a while it's it's a hard question to answer. You know what what do you do say yeah I deserve it or can't just keep you can't just keep saying well hey I I had luck here and I had luck there and you know they get tired of hearing that and they know you're full of crap. How fortunate so, do uh,
1: you how fortunate do you feel that your dad finally said you know, we got to do this. You know, you can't go out there and keep screwing around. Um, because I, I feel like if maybe that hadn't happened, you, you you know, would be somebody who just raced for fun and never had the amount of success. I don't know, maybe you'd have figured it out, but it feels like you would not have had the success that you've had.
3: No, I'll tell you how it, the, the, the final straw for him was. He towed the car out to the track, and they were, they were inspecting helmets that night, and they wouldn't let him in past the pit gate without the helmet, driver's helmet. And I come roaring up there on my motorcycle with my girlfriend on the back of it. And uh, <laughs> I was yelling at him, how come the car wasn't in the pits yet? Oh no! And he, per- he proceeded to explain to me in, in no uncertain terms of how we were going to change the way we did things. He told me if there was one person out there that needed practice slaps more than me, he didn't know who the heck it was. Cause that was the <laughs> only one that could spin out two or three times trying to qualify. And he said, starting next week, he says, I leave the house at 4 o'clock. And he says, you better be standing here with no girlfriend and your helmet. He said, or we ain't going. <laughs> all right. So he just put his foot down. But I'd say he was a big paperwork person.
1: And obviously, and, uh, your, your appreciation for the sport, you didn't have a problem doing that. Oh, well, no. I said, and,
3: you know, after a couple of weeks, I went from, from spinning out all the time qualifying to actually doing halfway decent. And then that was that winter that I met up with, with Vern, Vern Miller that ended up being my father-in-law and uh, got a car that was quite a bit better. And then I thought, you know, hey, I got a halfway decent car. I can, I can get up to the top 10, you know. And uh, then, I, then I got some advice from like Dick Simmons. He told me, he pulled me aside one time. He said, let me explain something to you here. He said, you know, if you didn't wreck near as much, he said, you might might not do too bad. He says, the best piece of advice I ever got, he says, you got to finish, you got to first finish before you can finish first. He says, in your shoes, he says, set yourself a goal of top 10. He says, when you achieve that, he says, set your goal of top five. He says, once you're there, you got a chance. He says, but you're never going to go from 18th to first. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and Bob, I've got to ask you, know, you know, when you started going through where, like you said, for 15 years, you were winning a lot of races. Um, you you just didn't show up and win races. You had some serious competition when you showed up. Oh, yeah, we had, uh, man, it was, we had 20 cars all the time. At least there was
3: some nights we had 25, 26 cars. And, uh, you know, I was racing against uh, when I started getting a little better. I was racing against Denny Pace and Chuck Hall, and them guys, and then they weren't no slouches, son. Huh? You know, I come along one day, started winning. And somebody said, Man, you've been winning forever. I said, you've been around for the last 25 years while I've followed Pace and Chuck Hall, learning.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I couldn't wait for them guys to retire.
0: Yeah, so, so that what I guess you started out with figure eight, then what, and, and I think all the way through, you kind of dabbled even in the 80s, um, you know, and through the 90s, uh oval track racing as well so it didn't matter where you were racing at uh whether it was in a circle or in a figure eight uh give you a steering wheel and you're game
3: yeah i was i got halfway decent at it after a while you know i run into enough stuff i think people started staying out of the way and (laughs) i I didn't i didn't really like oval racing because i hate caution flags okay and just sit there in your car and pot around and bake and stuff in the figure eight there was no cautions you know, you were you was either red or green, and there was something going on all the time. My my son tells me, "Dad, he said they make medications for people
2: like you now."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, now when you got started, you started in figure eight, or did you start in circle track and then find the figure eights? No, figure eight. Okay. So, what? When? When was the moment where you said, "Okay, let's try this round and round stuff"?
3: Well, I don't know. It was just uh, we was there, and you know, actually. When I started, I built a street stock in '86, I think, and it started out just to be a, a something a little bit different and to be a, a spare figure eight car. And we took them both the first night and did good and ended up leading points at both of them after a, both divisions after a couple of weeks, and then just ran out the year with it like that. And I just I finished uh, after my dad had that little sit down with me and then give me my little notebook on on. Uh, on preparation and maintenance, I quit having so many breakdowns, which led, led to a lot of good feature finishes and stuff. You know, I, I'll tell you something. Uh, we, we had a, a small house and I slept upstairs. Had the little four-foot knee walls on the side and angled ceiling where you could hardly stand up. And I went to bed one night and I looked up and I see all these big diagonal fluorescent things on the ceiling. I get up and turn the light on, and here's these little three by five cards my dad had put over my, my bed. And every time I did something stupid or something fell off the car, and that he had it in that, in that fluorescent stuff so I could see it and, it, and how much money it cost me, oh, you know, man. how many spots it cost me. Of course, the nights I did good were, were in blue ink, you couldn't see them, but there wasn't too many of them and uh you know so after after he had to sit down with me and I looked at that for a whole winter I thought you know maybe I got to change things a little bit <laughs> so I started just got more serious about it and I just I never never was good at anything else no baseball or football or bowling or none of that and it was just all that stuff was kind of boring and uh, and part? I always I, I always liked working on cars so it didn't bother me to wreck them cuz then I would just see if I could fix them faster than the other guy
0: what did you say? Th- I mean, over the years, you were in an era where the technology changed so much from when you started, which there was very little technology from what I can see, um, to what you had at the end, which quite a bit of technology when you when, when you retired. Uh, I mean, was that hard for you to keep, it, keep up on and learn through the years, or did it just come naturally?
3: Oh, God, when I first started, we, could, you know, we got everything. If you had a junkyard sponsor, you were golden. Yeah. And uh, I had Fields Auto Parts down and Wyandotte used to give us all the all stuff we could get out of there. So, you know, it wasn't real expensive. And then about the time it, the price of stuff started going up and advancing, well, that's when uh, Rick Carver and Quality Clutches jumped on board. And he bought, you know, we had good stuff then. And that went on for a few years. And uh, he kind of wanted to work for ARCA, and they kind of put pressure on him to he couldn't sponsor a car and work for them too, so that's when the deal with uh, Giles Auto bought him, which Giles come along, and that was another probably seven or eight years where I, where I had all good stuff. So as that going from junkyard stuff to, uh, to good stuff, that, that, that was right about the 15-year span that I had really good sponsorship. So it was a little easier to make that transaction with somebody else paying a lot of the bills.
0: <laughs> and the and, <laughs> and the then, Giles deal was actually really good for you because you had a figure eight car, and a really nice street stock as well.
3: <laughs> oh, I went. Giles i Yeah, I drove Mick Lasky's car there for for a little while. We we did all right in that. That was a good car. And uh, I don't know. I just I, I got. I didn't like oval racing that much. I was too bored. Bored. Greg he he likes figure eight because there's. He said he wishes there was twenty cars. So there was wasn't so boring just going around circles, but he, he likes oval more than he does figure eight. He said it's more technical. He, he said he don't like working on his car.
1: <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. All right, Bob, I want to bookend this a little bit. Um, so you mentioned earlier in the interview, uh, and actually before we do that, I need to uh, – we, we've been so tied up in this conversation I forgot – that I have some business to take care of, and that is to tell you that Sweet Manufacturing is, of course, on board, and we're happy to have them be a part of Michigan Motorsports History Month. They're Michigan-owned and operated. Sweet Manufacturing offers the best technology for the racer in almost every department on the car. You can check out their new ultra-lightweight quick-release coupler, and if you're a dirt track driver, you got to try to keep the mud and the grime and the dirt gross out of your uh, out of your steering rack so that it keeps working for miles to come, uh, check out their new boot technology that they just released this year, only at Sweet Manufacturing. You can find them online, sweetmanufacturing.com, or by calling 1-800-441-8619. So Bob, I wanted to ask you, um, you said there was a time in your career where you had started on the pin, and it didn't result in you being in victory lane, and you kind of had to look in the mirror and, and say, you know, what are we doing here? Talk, talk, talk me through that scenario, because it's it's a scenario that every race car driver knows that they're going to face at some point, but they never really want to get to that point in their career. So what was that like for you? Well, it, what happened is, is my son started racing, and he I was really
3: hoping he would uh, be a pit man a little longer, but he uh, decided he wanted to race, and he was doing pretty good. And I was finding myself trying to watch him more than I was paying attention to what I was doing. And At that time, I was 52 years old, and I could tell that my reflexes weren't what they were before. There was I could win a race now and then, but when you come off that corner on the figure eight track and you head down toward the intersection and you hesitate for a minute thinking, I don't know, I wonder if I can make it, and two of them young guys go flying by you, I seen the writing on the wall then. I didn't want to hang around until it was knocking me out of the way and stuff. And uh, the sponsor money dried up a little bit. So we really didn't have enough money to run two top-notch cars. So one of us had to quit. And being and already had all my fun. And uh, when I did wreck, it took me to about Wednesday before I could move. I thought, you know what, I, I should probably just back off and put all the effort into Greg's stuff. And it paid off because I think he won seven features the next year.
1: Wow. Wow. Did that help? Do you feel like that helped to be able to take your efforts? Uh, I mean, because it's never easy when you have to make the decision to pull yourself out of the car. Um, Did it help to know that you could still be a part of the sport, not only, but also that you could be a part of a winning team by helping your son?
3: Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was great. I mean, I'd probably, uh, you know, it along for a few more years if it hadn't been for him, but I had so much more fun watching him race and you know and he was he was young, you know he just got out of high school, and he was all gung ho and happy and i like I said I'd had my fun and even to this day, I don't regret getting out of the car um you know i just i enjoy just I, I enjoy working on him more than he does. I get just as much fun out of working on him. He gets a little upset sometimes, he tells, back on the medication thing, you know. He says they make <laughs> medications for people like me. He says, he says, you, he tells me I create work. He <laughs> said, you can go in the garage when there's absolutely nothing to do and create five or six hours worth of work.
0: <laughs> Bob, but, I got I to ask you, though, um, you know, you started off telling us how your dad brought you up being ready to go to the racetrack and how you had to learn that. I think I think part of Greg's success was your dad doing that to you because, um, you know, you kind of brought him along the right way and he's done pretty much everything right.
3: Uh, he don't make a lot of mistakes. I can give him credit for that. He doesn't. He said he don't like to tear stuff up because he don't like to work on it. And he says he don't have the money to to spend on it. He says he told me he said I was nuts. He said you used to run into somebody just who so could fix your car the fastest. He said I'd lose that one every time. He said that uh, it, you know, it it made it easier for me to transition and and maintenance. Uh, we got we do a lot of maintenance. Very seldom we just see our one of our cars break down. When it breaks down, it's usually something catastrophic. But uh, he don't do stupid things with them, and now and, uh, well, it's worked out good. Still keeps I had, I, me busy.
0: I had mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, a hundred feature wins at Flat Rock over the years. Uh, you know, the only the only other one was Joy Fair. And, I don't, you know, you watch everybody out there these days. The competition is so tight. Do You think we're ever going to see those kind of numbers again going forward?
3: I, I don't know if somebody would stick around that long. You know, you've you got to stick around a long time to get to those numbers. And, uh, you know, and I never realized what they were. Because you know, I was just racing and having fun, working on stuff. I, I wasn't keeping track of nothing, and when it got up to a hundred feature wins and they announced it that night, I almost fell over. I <laughs> thought there is no way in God's name that I've won a hundred races, you know, and, and I didn't even know it until then. Wow. So and, and so <laughs> now, go ahead. Go ahead. But and now, like, uh, it's just. They don't seem to stay. I stayed in, in you know, like right around Flat Rock and Toledo. I mean, I, I, for a long time, I worked at a gas station, and I didn't have enough money to go racing place else. And uh, I don't like to travel much. I'm not much for driving up and down the road. So I, that's another thing. I stayed right around Flat Rock and Toledo and Lansing and places like that that I was pretty familiar with. So and for a long time, that's that's what makes it a little easier. I never was going to go up any higher than what I was doing. So. I think see, uh, I think my dad told me this, too. He, sa- he says, you know, it's going to be a lot more fun being a big man on the little totem pole than <laughs> it is the bottom man <laughs> on the big totem pole. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Big fish in the little <laughs> pond is what my dad would always say. So now, you know, I want to ask you about this, kind of going back to Rich's question about technology. Um, you had a chance to race in an age where, and I'm going to take a phrase that my dad would say all the time, racing was dangerous and sex was safe. Um, you know, you raced in a time where really, you know, racing was extremely dangerous. It still is dangerous today. Um, you know, but back then, man, it was, I don't want to say it was nothing, but it was nothing to get hurt at the racetrack. And especially with you running figure eights back then, uh, man, oh man, I can't imagine, you know, using yesterday's technology running today's figure eights.
3: Oh my God. It just, some of the seats, some of the things we had for seats were ridiculous, you know, and, and, uh, Helmet, I've got, uh, I've probably got a helmet that I, not, maybe the third one from the last one I ever used, I keep it, and Greg said, what do you keep that for, I said, go lift it up, <laughs> he lifts it up, and he said, man, this ain't nothing but a bowling ball hollowed out, Wow. <laughs> just the weight of the helmets and stuff like that, open face, and and uh, yeah, it's just uh, the cars are made so much safer, you know. We we used to make them so strong in the front when you hit the wall they'd bend underneath the seat, you know. We've Jeez. learned through the years I learned, you know, maybe we should make the ends a little bit softer and <laughs> stuff you, like that. So he's kind of been the beneficiary of all that all that crash test, dummy stuff I did.
1: Did you ever have any close calls? Uh, what do you mean close calls? Well injury I'm, wise? Yeah, I mean you race you know, racing figure eights back then and you know, you take a hit. Uh, did you ever have anything? that was substantial I, I, I
3: broke broke a few bones here and there uh i had uh had a car next to me one time his his wheel come off and it went up the back of his car lifted up and he had one of them aluminum camaro bumpers that was just been cut off with a sawzall and it come through and tore the window and oh, that out man. got my hand caught in the steering wheel and had had bones sticking out of top of my hand from that and then i I had a throttle stick at Lansing one time and went right straight out the gate and hit that little concrete wall I had down in there and wow and did some damage on my back and neck and you know a few things like that but you know anything you do you you take that chance
0: sure
3: you know sure. it's uh, you know, anything you know your your back and knees hurt if you're a mechanic all the time well if you're a secretary your wrists hurt and your butt gets wide from sitting in the chair so <laughs> whatever parts of your body you use all the time you wear them out.
0: Uh, you know, like I always say, when we have when we have good drivers that are active, we all give them a chance to to thank who's helped them out. And you've probably had, you know, at your age, many people that you probably maybe you can still remember them at your age. But uh, now's your chance to kind of acknowledge a lot of the people that uh, you know kind of helped you get into the Hall of Fame. Well, one of the uh, when I first started. And I was running
3: around and running into everything. The, one of the drivers that ran good was John Briggs's dad, Chuck Briggs. He helped me a lot when when I didn't know anything. He would tell me stuff like, you know, my car's lighter than yours, got a little better motor. You might want to try this gear instead of that gear, and stuff like that. He was a big help. Um, uh, of course, Rick and Butch Giles when they came on as sponsors, um, that was big for me. Uh, Dick Simmons used to give me them little bits of advice about not running into stuff. Um, it's probably the wrong thing to say, but Dennis Pace was probably the worst person I ever dealt with. Because he told me I should just find something else to do because I was too, stu- too stupid to drive. And, uh, so that, that was kind of a motivator. And then, uh, Bill Leach, he worked with me, God, for back as long as I can remember on my cars and stuff. And, uh, those were all pretty important people the guy that used to run uh, mike crowley to ran this little race precision engines down here in taylor he, he built me motors for 25 years and just charged me his price on parts at times when i i couldn't afford to race them because i was raising raising a family on a small budget you know so those were all pretty big deals
1: well, Bob, uh, I want to say thank you for, um, you know, making time to join us. Uh, congratulations, man, on a great career. And I want to make sure that we, you know, Rich Rich kind of told me this, and, uh, you know, I want to point it out, too, if anybody does any research on you, uh, you know, your Your submission into the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame, your acceptance into the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame, those two things happened before uh, you were done racing. So you continued to rack up wins and accolades and things of that nature. Um, Do you know what your final stats were when you finally climbed out of the car?
3: Yeah, I don't know who sent that in. I I, I think it was probably uh, Rick from Quality Clutches and his wife that might have sent that stuff in. Yeah, because at that time I only had like, I think 67 feature wins. By the time I was done, I had a little over 200 total at uh, different tracks and stuff. And as far as championships, I had Flat Rock and Toledo and Lansing. And, and when we had our traveling figure eight series, if you totaled all them up, I had 25 championships too.
0: Wow.
1: Wow!
3: What a so, career! Yeah, they didn't. At, at sixty-seven
0: <laughs> and sixty-nine, they didn't know if you were going to make it in this sport. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe they. I, I think they just sent it in every year, and pretty soon they already had everybody else in, and I was like the last one. They kept looking at it every year, and they think, you know, let's let's put this yo-yo in here and get them off the sheet. Oh, Jesus!
1: <laughs> I don't know about that, but Bob, hey man, thank you so much for making time. Congratulations on a, on a fantastic career, and uh, I know, like you said, you're you're still having a lot of fun. Uh, watching Greg and helping Greg race. So uh, uh, I guess it's still appropriate to tell you good luck this season.
3: Well, we'll take some of that luck. That, that, that helped us out a whole lot last year, especially with our starting spots. You know what? I'm really impressed about this whole thing we just did. I went through the whole interview and didn't say anything out of line.
1: <laughs> we won't tell anybody, Bob. We won't let anybody know that you did that, okay? I, I, I
0: was holding my breath.
1: <laughs> so cool.
3: All right, Bob. Yeah, well, I, hey. I, I made no bad references, and I didn't, other than, than uh, like Danny Pace, because he didn't like me and I didn't like him. But that was probably the worst thing I could have said. But it could have got a lot worse. You you know, sometimes, I get to, sometimes I get to babbling and I forget who I'm talking to and where I'm at, and it gets ugly.
0: We, we, <laughs> sa- we, we save those when I got a Bud Light and you got a Michelob Light, Bob. That's when, that, that's when, all the, that's when the gloves come off. Well,
3: that's never happened before, has it? (laughs) That's right.
1: All right, guys. Well, hey, thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate it. Have a good night, man. All right. Thank you. Well, we thought this could be the one, Rich France, where we give away some uh, Horsepower Happening swag, and instead (laughs) it was a quiet week for Gary. Did you know? But we had two of our regulars. I think it was only two. Maybe you had a couple others. Um Take a run at our Gary, did you know season or uh, show number 24?
0: Yeah, and you know, we had a couple guesses, but um, that they, they were not right, so <laughs> and, and, and I think, I think our buddy, uh, I think our buddy Dave DeHem got confused with the Michigan Modified Association and the uh, the uh, IMCA modified, I right? see, uh, you know, so. We'll have to see, but yeah. And, um, and
1: Brad Brad, and Anthony are just heartbroken right now that you just said nobody got them all right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah that's breaking their heart, right? And, and then I think the first question, well, let's do it the first. We'll get question number one out of the way, and, and there were some comments made on that. Where did Hall of Fame driver Tim Felver start his racing career? Now, everybody said, well, the obvious question would be Owasso, but that can't be, it, why would they make it that easy? Well, it wasn't that easy, but you were close. Uh, If you remember when Gary was on, he said we had to be specific, right? Yep. yep. So Tim Felver started his racing career at the Owasso Go-Kart Track. Owasso Go-Kart Track, not the Speedway, the Go-Kart Track there.
1: And Brad did have that right. Uh, Brad did say Owasso Go-Karts. So he was on track there. So Our buddy Brad, he is really good at these, but he always ends up missing just one little detail. All right. What well, you're going to have to help me here because I didn't I didn't see Brad's answer. So, we'll we'll have to. See.
0: Question number two: George Falk and his tire truck could be found at many racetracks in the 60s and 70s. What was his real business? Brad says he sold appliances. Brad's two for two. <laughs> Man, when we saw when we saw him at the bowling tournament, he was serious. I said, "You're going to have to step up your game if you're going to get these." from Gary, huh? Yeah.
1: All yeah. right.
0: All right, let's see. Question number three. Who was known as the old
1: racemaster? Brad writes in, Chuck McClung. He is three for three. <laughs> oh, don't tell me he went all the way to the end and then finally blew it,
0: right? Well, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see how far he gets? Yep. Okay. Question number four. Who were the three people that brought
1: IMCA mods to Michigan? Now... Brad says, poor Paul Zimmerman. And that was the only one of the three that he got, according to Gary. Uh, because he says Ray Farkle, or Ray Frackle, I'm sorry. I think he had a typo here. I think it's Ray and Pat Farkle. Um, and he says that he had to go all the way through all of the Gary Did you Knows to uh, try to find these answers. So um, <laughs> hopefully there's not a cross-up there because that's not what we have, right?
0: No, that is not what we have. He, he got a third of it right, so I'll I, I give him a question, but that, that doesn't get the whole question right. The answer is Paul Zimmerman, Jim Clark, and Big Mike Creed. Oh, he says – Big he, Mike
1: Creed. He says – now, this was a recent question. If I remember right, this was in the last six months or so that Gary had this question because Brad yep. says he went through all the Gary did you Knows and never found the IMCA question. So um, – well, that's pretty good, Brad, for not know, not having been able to go back and listen. Uh, he got Paul Zimmerman at least, so I'll give him credit there. All right. Well, let's try. Oh, we had a bonus question Gary threw at us this week. That's right. To make it just
0: a little bit tougher. So the bonus question, question number five, and this was like Gary's two-year anniversary, so he did an extra question. What track
1: did Gary Lindahl announce his first race? Now, Brad says he went back and listened to the first Gary Did You Know when we kind of interviewed Gary a little bit and thought that he found the answer, but Brad put Spartan back in 1979, which was one of about three tracks that everybody thought that Gary had started at. Now, here's what I would have guessed. I would have said Jackson Motor Speedway is what I would have said, and I interviewed Gary my very first year of having Horsepower Happenings back in 2018, and, uh, man, I did not know what the answer was. What would you have said? Well,
0: seeing I work with him and I know.
1: Well, and... you knew you knew now, but yeah. originally you didn't. What
0: would you have said? Well, because I know he worked for the Jackson Citizen Patriot. You're right. I probably would have leaned towards Butler or Jackson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. But all four of us are wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Yeah. Everybody was. I don't think anybody got this. Uh, the answer is Auto City Speedway, the very first track. That Gary Lindahl ever picked up a microphone at and announced a race was at Auto City. Did he tell you when that was? Um, let me see. Just after Ben Hur. So I don't know what it's it, shortly after that. I, I think they started. I think they had car engines back in that day. They weren't still pulling <laughs> them with horses.
1: <laughs> well, wow, man. Um, and 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 uh, AJ was close too. AJ uh, Anthony, he weighed in on uh, all of these as well. Did you Do you did you see his answers this week? Did you get a chance to see AJ's? I, I know- did not. I
0: saw I saw Dave Dehamer had taken a shot. I saw our buddy Chris Fobey threw in a guess out there, but he he said it can't be that simple.
1: Yeah, um I know that AJ was wrong on a couple of them, but he did take a shot and uh tried really hard on on these. Um so uh yeah, nobody got him though. I know that much. So good try, fellas. We'll have to do it again.
0: Horsepower happenings gear is safe for another month. (laughs) Yeah, well,
1: I can tell you, Brad got some at the at the Auto Fan Club banquet or at the Auto Racing Fan Club bowling tournament, so he's 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 okay for this round. Hey, uh, but do be looking. uh, What is it? Third Monday of the month we do. Gary, did you know? Right here on Horsepower Happenings. Want to continue to say thanks to Be Cool Radiators. uh, Be Cool, located right here in Essexville, Michigan. I, I love this about Be Cool. They are. Big enough to be a part of the NHRA drag racing scene, but they're small enough to help you if you are building a rat rod in your backyard. They have the radiators, they've got the coolers. Whatever you need, they will help you get it fitted for your ride with Be Cool radiators. Find them online, becool.com, or you can give them a call, 1-800-691-2667. Time now to continue our show tonight, and as we get started, it's our second interview. We welcome in the 2022 um, tra- champion of Hartford Motor Speedway. The Dirt Car UMP Modified Champion makes his home in Valparaiso, Indiana. Frank Marshall, welcome into to Horsepower Happenings.
2: Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for
1: having me. Absolutely. And Frank, so I'm going to start right there at the top. Um, Hartford, man, one of the final racetracks left in Michigan to run the Dirt Car UMP sanction. Um, And because of that... You're racing against some stiff competition on almost a, well, Every time that they open the gates, um, you're getting some really heavy hitters for modifieds into the gates, and um, you get the job done. Last year, you pick up the championship. Kind of talk to me about your season, how it all unfolded, and and what led to that championship.
2: Yeah, we uh, we do have a lot of <laughs> a lot of stiff competition there at Hartford and everywhere we go now. Um, there's there's less and less racetracks all the time, which is a a shame, but that's uh, just the facts. And um, well, I, I guess uh, when I talk about the twenty twenty two season, we uh, we were racing with uh, 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 Matt Ryan, Power, and and uh, Roman Carr. and um, it reacts really well at uh, Hartford early in the night. Uh, our our program. Uh, suffered a little bit when it got really slick, but uh, we held our own and and uh, pulled the championship out again there.
1: Talk to me, excuse me, about some of your competition that you race against. Uh, you know the Spaldings, uh, I, th- I think, are two of the ones that I think of the, the right off the top that always support the Dibbles of being there. And uh, now you're not just dealing with Kurt; you're dealing with his offspring as well uh, when you race there. Uh, talk about some of the people you got to race on a weekly basis. I think from other people we've talked to you like to have, if I assume this correctly, you like to kind of have that stiffer competition, uh, to kind of gauge yourself on where you're at.
2: Yeah, we do. We do. We, we, we chase around, go to, uh, uh, a lot of the bigger races. We enjoy the, the big competition. Uh, uh, always have, I think it makes a better racer out of everybody. If you're racing, I guess the best, uh, as you know, Kirk solving is the, uh, he is the local guy there. He's also uh, as good as, as good as they get nationwide. So uh, that boy of his now, he came out of the box hot. <laughs> that kid, that kid, uh, that boy, that boy uh, knows what he's doing already. And uh, and they do a lot of nice things. They do a lot of nice body work, a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, they help a lot of racers. That's a that's a that's a good team, good garage. They come out of there. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, Bobby, it, no, go ahead. Bobby Strimmy is always fast at uh, at Hartford and everywhere else he goes. Um, he seems to he seems to do really well at uh, Hartford. Uh, Zeke McKenzie fast up there, uh, uh, sixty car. Yeah, but uh, well, there's just a lot of a lot of good competition up there. Um, you know, we've been racing at Hartford since. I don't know, somewhere in, uh, somewhere in the mid, somewhere around, uh, I think I went up there about 03 would be, be my first year up to Hartford. Um, we ran, we won the championship. Well, we, we missed the championship in 2010 by, I think a half a point or a point, won the championship in 11 and in 12. And then of course we went to, uh, Plymouth when they opened. Because it was so much closer to home, and won the championship there in 13, and uh, two more times throughout uh, 21, and I think it was 17. It might have been 16 17. Anyhow,
1: I think I, I've got the, you. Uh, I've got you down as a 19 champion. Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, 19. Okay. Uh, 19, 19 and 21.
1: Yep, that's what I've got.
2: Okay. Yeah, 13. When, Nineteen and twenty-one.
1: When you are so successful that you can't keep your championship dates right, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a problem for me. I
2: gotta ask you though today. one thing. Go, go ahead. Uh, I just say we've we've been racing so long, and and uh, I've been racing with the uh, the best uh, team in the business. Uh, Steve Nagy, Rick Wise, uh, been with me for forever. Uh, they came from the Guy Volk uh, championships back in the 90s and 2000s. And uh, Guy Volk was a good friend of mine. And I learned I learned a lot from those guys. And uh, we work really well together. We're good friends outside the garage also. So um, I got a lot of other good guys that helped me too. But Rick, Rick and Steve have been there for many years with me.
0: And I was going to say, you know, with everything that's happening – in mid-Michigan, northern Michigan, I mean, you're just watching the UMP mods go away, and and IMCA is kind of taking over the state of Michigan. When you go to Hartford, um, you got the hotbed, you know, as you know, uh, UMP modified, you know, very good drive, Indiana, Illinois, and you never know who's going to show up to Hartford on any given night.
2: No, we sure don't. You can sure get surprised some nights, but always makes for a great race. You know, Tim – and his wife and family and that team up there, uh, that he's got that that puts that race together every uh, Friday night. They, they do just such a nice job. Um, nice people. They love to have you there. They treat you like family. They, uh, it's a great place to go racing. It's, uh, no, I mean, right down to the uh, Chesney there at the gate, uh, the, the, the safety crew, um, uh, just everybody, the fans, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fabulous place to go racing.
0: Now, I have, to, I have to ask you, because you are probably, when I go see a UMP modified race, if I get to Hartford or anywhere else, your car is the one that is not hard to pick out. Um, and I can <laughs> surely tell what number it is. I've never seen a number that big <laughs> on any modified that I have ever seen. Tell me who came That's- up with that idea.
2: Well, I and Rick wise together. I've been working with, uh, you know, like I said, with Rick for a long time, um, wise graphics, he does, um, you know, I don't know how many race cars he does. He must do 50, 60, 70 race cars every year. Um, he and I, he and I put together, uh, that scheme and and over a couple of years worked it out. And now we've been running that same scheme for probably five years, maybe six. Um, I, I don't, uh, I don't see anybody else. Uh, I, I was afraid that it was going to catch on and everybody was going to do it, but um, we really <laughs> like it. I think it looks good. You can read it from anywhere. Um, and I, I stay red. I've been, I've been red the whole time. I'm, I'm staying red until I retire. That, uh, that's just my, it, it does make a guy easy to pick out. These guys that change their car color every year, even though they don't change their number you still don't know who they are sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's hard to pick them out.
1: And you're right, though. I pulled into racetracks all across the Midwest, and, um, you know, if, if it's a modified show, I see a red car with a big number across the rear quarter and the B-pillar. I'd hardly have to look at it anymore. I know it's Frank Marshall. Um, so <laughs> talk. take me back, though. So when are we talking that you first climbed behind the wheel of a modified?
2: I believe it was uh, – I believe it was 99. Um, a friend of mine by the name of Ray Ramkey, who was a previous track champion at Rensselaer, uh, decided to get back into racing at, uh, oh, I, I I would guess he was in his late fifties then. And uh, he he bought a modified and uh, he took it to B- uh, Buzzard race cars in Wheeler, Indiana, and he had it, uh, uh, an asphalt car turned into a into a dirt modified um, and um, he drove it once or twice and uh, let's just say he he wasn't ready for that much he, he wasn't he wasn't ready for that much horsepower at that at that uh, time in his life okay and uh, he was looking he was looking for a driver I knew him I'd never been in a car i'd been on snowmobiles and motorcycles and i raced uh, motocross for years uh Red Bud and all around district 15 but uh he was looking for a car driver and i said well i'm not a car driver ray he said that's okay we can put it together <laughs> it took it took a it took a couple years but we we
1: caught on you're not the only person Got I've better. heard of that's done that, gone from two wheels to four wheels, and then they ended up having pretty good success with it.
2: Yeah, yeah, we did. I enjoyed the two wheels, and yeah, we run motocross and four wheelers and snow wheeling and just all kinds of things. I've always been a yearhead. So,
1: so back in '99 into the 2000s, I know up here in Michigan that was still IMCA territory. What were you running back there? Were they were they sanctioned at that time, or were they just open? With-
2: there was some of each we were running uh we were running ump car but not always running ump tracks uh we ran uh shady hill which i don't believe at that time was sanctioned of course it is now we were running uh Ground point speedway that was of course sanctioned until 2005 when they closed um which was a real hit in the gut we we really we really enjoyed Crown Point Speedway as did a lot of other people. Um, Broadway Speedway, Crown Point Speedway—they called it a lot of things, but but that was a great race racetrack. Uh, so yeah, we were running some UMP and some non actually. So.
0: Frank, I got to got to ask you as well, and and I've seen you <clears throat> at many different tracks throughout my travels, and you've been doing this a long time. Um, is this all you want to do? Do you have anything on the bucket list that you haven't done? Uh, that's that you still have that desire to accomplish.
2: You know, I and uh, I and my team, we we we've, we've always been uh, really amped up on the late models. Um, I'd be in a late model now if we didn't have to drive so far to race. Mm.
1: Um, Where's your nearest track that, so that know, runs them?
2: The the nearest track that we can really race is uh,
1: is Fairbury. Well, you're no stranger to that track. How how far is it from you? Uh, two hours and twenty minutes or so. Okay, that's tough. That's tough on a regular commitment, and not to mention the the competition that you're going to have to deal with.
2: Yeah, it is. It's uh, well we we would we would love to race uh, late miles. We just uh, we just can't see how to make it work with uh with all of us working and working. You know, we work a full shift on Friday and then go racing and. Uh, it's tough enough to get to Hartford, uh, with the Friday night traffic on I-94. Oh God. (laughs) It's just gotten worse. And, uh, it's, it's hard stuff. It's tough. The racetracks are getting further and further from us. Yeah. We would, we would love to race Friday, uh, Hartford Friday night and Fairbury Saturday night every week, but, uh, we're all, uh around the 60 mark, and um, we put two, three nights a weekend in, in the garage and two or three nights racing. It's, it's pretty hard on us.
1: I want to know how you, as Rich mentioned, you come from UMP Central, Indiana, um, Illinois, right? Yep. Uh, no lack of, well, I, I say that relative, no lack of UMP tracks for you. How do you end up at Hartford? How do you end up making that trip up there, and, and the, why why is that the place? Again, we love we love the Dibbles, uh, we love Tim and Leah. They're great supporters of ours, and we love to support them. Um, but how does that become your home track? How, how does that happen?
2: Well, I really liked the big track when it was half mile, the big half mile. Um, and on Friday nights, we had uh, we had a choice between Kankakee, Harford, Mich- Kankakee, Illinois, Harford, Michigan, or city. And Kankakee and Hartford are just about the same drive for us. Um, we like the big track, uh, guy Volk was racing, uh, late models there at the time. So we as a team, you know, we, we as two teams that raced together a lot, decided on, uh, Hartford so that we could all race together. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know why Hartford over Kankakee at the time, but <laughs> because I think I think they could race late miles at Kankakee also at that time.
1: Okay. All right. Well, hey, Hartford. But I don't.
2: I don't. I don't think on a regular basis, though. So. And in Gas City, you know, that's a three-hour drive for
1: us. So. Sure, and now they're down to part time as well. So. Um this this modified travels we've mentioned it a couple of times and you mentioned fairberry you have a couple of premier wins at that racetrack um do, do you not have a big check hanging in your garage that says prairie dirt classic on it we
2: do two two of them
1: how about two in the, a row how about that man what an accomplishment yeah.
2: yeah it was uh we had uh we had some really uh we had some really good nights there Um, quite a few of them besides those. And we just, we just love that racetrack. It's, uh, very much like Hartford. They want you there. Yeah. That's a friend, friendly crew. Well run. I don't know how many, I don't don't know how many guys he puts in the, in the pits and has on uh, staff when he puts a race together, but it's a well run, well put together, clean, uh, just a, just a great just a great facility to race at. We we love going there Saturday nights.
1: That is just about though uh the only comparison between Hartford and Fairbury Speedway. Um you know Hartford is slick. Yes. Hartford is slick. It takes rubber. It's wide, it's big. Uh Fairbury is hammered down, usually rutted up a <laughs> little bit if you know on the small tires for you guys for mods. Um and it's it is a not a bull ring, but it's a short track. Um, what, (laughs) what, what in the world, man, how do you win these two Prairie Dirt Classics? Not saying you're not capable, but I mean, these are your only two Summit Equipment UMP modified, you know, quote unquote, hell tour wins that I, that I see for you. Um, and they both come at one of the biggest weekends that Fairbury puts on. I don't know, but let's do a third. (laughs) (laughs) Can you take me back? So, uh, you know, which, which. So you win it the first time, and you think, okay, that's that's freaking awesome. Then you go back the next year. Do you do you show up with it in your head that okay, we can defend, we're going to do this again? Um, I mean, what t- take me back to last year, going back in twenty twenty two after already having won it in twenty one. Yeah, you know,
2: in twenty one we uh, we knew we had a really good car. We had we had uh, a winning season going on at uh, at Plymouth. Uh, we, we were hot. Um, when there, when there's a little traction, we were hard to beat. Um, when it slicked up, we were, uh, we were kind of with the top of the pack, but when, when there was, uh, any traction, we were hard to beat. We, uh, we felt that, uh, if we made some minor adjustments in that car, our, uh, from our other, from our other track where we were dominating, We, uh, we felt we had a good chance at it. Now there was, I think in 21, they took 80 mods. I think in 22, they only took 65, but, uh, uh, because there are multiple, there
1: are multiple features. Is that right? This is, this is kind of like what they do at Volusia. They break it down into three or four feature events.
2: It, It is. Yes. Okay. Multiple features on the, on Friday night. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So anyhow, we just, uh, We just, uh, didn't make, um, we made some really good decisions on, on track conditions. Um, we were on top of our game at the time. Uh, and, um, um, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but, uh, yes, we had a plan and we didn't. (laughs) And, and if you, if you plan on saving your right rear quarter panel there and your T-bar, your, uh. Your odds of winning aren't very good. You, gotta
1: you got to be willing. You got to be willing to sacrifice a couple of things, right? You sure do, man. And you You're were not
2: willing to sacrifice some cheap metal at Fairbury. You're, uh, you, you may as well stay home.
1: And man, you were on top. I'm looking at some of the stats here from 2022. You were on fire from really the beginning of the night, qualifying right, group number one, two laps. You're the 20th car to see the racetrack. And you put it on the top of the board over Mike McKinney by almost two tenths of a second. Um, man, that you didn't just you didn't just win this night, man. You were on fire. You roll off in your feature alongside Kurt Spaulding. He falls like a stone, and uh, you keep the pin. Uh, and, and you you the the first feature event of the night. Even so, that you haven't watched anybody do anything with the racetrack yet. I don't think people understand exactly how tough it is in dirt racing when you are the guinea pig, you know, you're the first one to go out all night. Uh, you you know, there's a little luck involved with your calculated decisions.
2: There sure is. If you, if you got a little time to watch what's going on, you you can make some, some better decisions. You can also make some pretty bad decisions. So, um, it's kind of a toss up whether we were, uh, lucky to be first or not, but, um, it sure, it sure turned out good. Um, you have the stats on the heat race. It was, uh, we, we were, yeah, we were on fire. And, and I, I do
1: want to po- point out, too, not only were you fastest in, in group qualifying or in qualifying group number one, which included, as you mentioned, 31 cars that took time, 20th person to roll out in group one, by the way, Rich, and beat Mike McKinney by almost two-tenths of a second. You were the fastest car on property by almost a whole tenth. When qualifying was over between both groups, um, so that twenty-eight car was rolling. Rich, what do you got?
0: Oh, I was just curious. You know, he, had, Frank, had mentioned that. Uh, you know, him. I, I don't like to call old because I'm right about the same age. You know, his team is, but uh, their, their, their experience. Let's say, Frank, how much longer do you want to do this, or can you keep doing this?
2: I, I think we have uh, several, several years left in it. Um, we, we talk about that occasionally. We, 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 don't, we don't like to harp on it. Uh, everybody is, uh, healthy. We got a lot of guys that help us in the shop. We got a lot of guys that go with us. Uh, uh Steve's as into it as he ever was, uh, as he is Rick. Um, and, and, and myself, we're all, uh, we're all thinking that we got several years left in us.
0: And, and if you're winning championships and you can still hand some of the young guys, their lunch from time to time, that kind of makes you feel yeah. better about
2: it, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that really, that, that really puts you, you know, anxious for the next week, anxious for the next race. And, uh, and when you have a, when you have a bad race after racing, you know, 25 or 30 years, you just, you just realize, Hey, that, that happens. Let's, Let's put her back together put her back together right and go win next week uh, you know I, I recall being pretty upset about having some wrecked race cars in the past and uh, it really doesn't do you any good You're, it, it gets you in a uh, in a funk you don't want to be in but uh, so anyhow you just just pick it up and put it back together and put it back together right and change your luck
1: frank i got to ask you we talk to a lot of drivers who have kids uh, that they're putting in you know um that they're putting into mini mini sprints or micro or mini wedges or things like that um or if they don't have their own kids they are working with the next generation of racers um are you taking anybody under your wing or are you just kind of doing this on your own thing and you know when when it's over it's over
2: you know i think i think we will um, right now we're not i i thought that possibly one of my boys would like to uh to do this but uh, they've seen how much uh, time it takes stop time um, my older boy's got six kids at home so he's uh wow. he doesn't have much time well he's got a through not he geez <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he's got one uh, that just turned one and he's got a the boy that's 12 years old is the oldest. So he's got four girls and two boys at home and he doesn't have time for any of this kind of thing, but he does work with me every day. And it's uh nice that we get to see him, see each other a lot. The younger boy, he's, uh, he's 25 and he's working and chasing around, building houses. And, uh, he's got, he's got some different ambitions. He's a, he's a hunter and fisherman. So his, uh, he sees us in that garage three, four, five nights a week, and he thinks uh, he thinks that looks like a lot of work. <laughs>
1: so. Now, I like to think that we do a pretty good job. You know, Rich and I, on a weekly basis, we're at the racetrack, and we interview people in Victory Lane, and we have this podcast every week throughout the year and throughout the off season where we talk to multiple people a day. Um, but I just came across something. Full disclosure, I just happened upon this. Um what is this picture of this wild haired individual in a JEGS um fire suit <laughs> who we used to watch on Fox Sports all the time, uh holding a microphone interviewing you, and of course I'm talking about Kenny Wallace. How in the heck does that happen? So, first of all, who let Kenny have a microphone? And two, what was that conversation about?
2: Well, that that is uh that was one of uh Plymouth's bigger races of the year um i'm not sure i can tell you the name of that race but uh i believe that's i and kenny wallace and who else do you see in that picture
1: uh, this is a close-up of just you two so i, I can't tell you who else was uh, was there well there was,
2: that was uh that was a good night at plymouth speedway i i won and uh kenny was making fun of me for uh uh, smoking cigars and being his age and winning <laughs> races, <Yeah. laughs> we had a we had a good time. I and Kenny always have a good time. He's well, a he's a he's a unique individual, isn't
1: he? Yeah, man. And we've had a chance to have him on the show too, and it's pretty cool to get a chance to talk to him. Yeah, uh, Frank Marshall, he, man. Uh, we got to wrap things up here. We're we're running out of time. But the last thing I want to ask you before I let you go, is, and I'm going to piggyback this off of Rich's last question that he had for you, okay? Which 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 ends first? Frank Marshall's driving career or the Fu Manchu? Which one will go away first? I would say the uh, I
2: would say the driving career. <laughs> I think Fu Manchu.
1: You've had that <laughs> you've had that thing for as long as I remember seeing you, man.
2: <laughs> sometimes it gets pretty long. Sometimes it gets pretty short.
1: It's uh, right it- now.
2: Pretty short by race season. I'll be. I'll. I'll have her. I'll have her
1: stressed out. <laughs> cool, man. Had to give you a hard time about that, Frank. Uh, the other thing we Speaking like to that is, What's that? Our first race. I think our first race is Kankakee on uh, Friday the seventh. Okay, great. Wow, so coming right up. Now, the other thing we like to do here is we like to make sure that we give you an opportunity uh, to, you know, give a little shout out because we don't get a chance on this platform to talk to you in Victory Lane but we are obviously interviewing you because of your championships. So I want to give you a second to kind of shout out some people who make it possible for you to do what you do all season long and chase those checkered flags and championships. Well,
2: I guess I, I have to start first with, uh,
1: did you hear that? That was the sound of a man who's getting up to look at a picture of his race car. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's
2: not. I'm, uh, I'm actually at a a resort in Florida. We just, uh, we just got down here this morning and uh, we're staying here a week. So, uh, no, wish I could, but, uh, um, first I gotta say, you know, thanks to Deb. She, she has supported me this last 20 years, 25 years and taking, uh, uh, I think, you know, we spent a lot of time racing and she's still uh, a great supporter of it with me. Um, but as far as the crew itself, uh, you know Rick Wise, uh, good friend, great artist. Um, that race car is kept that looking like that, uh, mostly mostly with his uh, help. Uh, Steve Nagy, the best chassis man, a guy I'll ever meet. Um, been with me a long time. Love him and Alicia. They're just uh, they're great great people and uh, couldn't couldn't ask for better um, Big John uh, is my Vietnam vet buddy uh, John Sawyer uh, that's uh, when I met John I, I was always a supporter of the vets great dad the World War II vet. been a big 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 supporter of the vets for um, all my life you got uh, a
1: nice uh, you got a nice sticker on the on the nose cone of that car uh, that I, I've it, seen before.
2: It's going to stay there. That's great. And, uh, and anyhow, uh, just a, just great team. Uh, Steve's wife, Alicia has been helping us forever. Um, Bruce, uh, Bruce Pollock helps me at the at the house all the time. Uh, George Rogers been hanging out with us a long time. Helps us at the racetrack. Mostly sometimes at the garage, great people. Um, as far as supporters, I got G, you know, GE Marshall incorporated is what, uh, helps me the most. Uh, we're a site work, uh, heavy, heavy, heavy civil contractor, site work and uh, utilities, um, M5 trucking, uh, Pinkerton oil, um, uh, uh I, you know, so Side tractor, Westside tractor has been with me for 15 years, at least. Um, they're a great supporter, great company. Um, uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't go real deep on supporters. I'm not good at asking for support, but, uh, those that offer it, we'll take,
1: (laughs) you never turned Uh, down a dollar, right? Especially in this sport.
2: Not too good at asking. No. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, anyhow, really
2: appreciate you guys, uh, you know, considering me for the interview and, uh, Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely, Frank. And, man, we want to say, uh, you know, congratulations on championship at Hartford. Enjoy the rest of your vacation, man, and we'll look forward to seeing you at a racetrack real soon.
2: Thank you so much.
1: What a great uh, opportunity to catch up with Frank, and uh, I like that. He's experienced, not old, just experienced.
0: And that that car – that car is iconic anymore in itself. It right? is. I mean, I mean, you you pull into the pits or go on the grandstands, you see that thing sitting back there, you know whose it is. There is no messing around.
1: You know exactly that's Frank Marshall when you see that 28 machine rolling. Absolutely. No question about it. All right, Rich, um, this is exciting. First weekend of April, I guess, it's not the first full weekend because um, we lose Friday. March 31st is Friday. But then Saturday and Sunday, April 1st and 2nd, ain't no fooling. We're going racing pretty close uh, to our listening area right here, and hopefully it all starts on Friday if they can get any sort of luck and cooperation from Mother Nature.
0: Oh, we've been trying for two weeks, wishing Attica would get it in,
1: right? Yeah. Uh, They're going to third time a charm
0: maybe. uh, Friday, March 31st, Attica Raceway Park season opener. Um, Same times you can go on their Facebook page, but I'm telling you, you look at that thing called the Forecast, and it's not looking really optimistic for them to get it in on a third shot. But well, so we'll see.
1: Uh, it can always miss us, right? That's right. It could always go. You know, you know, could go around. It's only Monday. <laughs> That's right. It could change for sure. Um, saw today that uh, the the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints champion Keith Shepherd Jr. is going to making be making the uh, about four hour haul to Lawrenceburg. Indiana on Saturday to race alongside the Amsoil USAC National Sprint Cars down at Lawrenceburg. So if you're looking for something to do, you can go down there and cheer on Keith and uh, some of the other non-wing drivers that I'm sure will be unloading for Saturday. And then, finally, Rich, I get to hold a microphone inside of a uh, announcer's booth, I think, and add another track to the list of places that I've never been. CRA Street Stocks and Vors Welding CRA Sportsman We'll unload at Shady Bowl Speedway for the Cabin Fever. They'll be accompanied by open-wheel modifieds. And the best compact racing you'll ever find, the Voris Compact Touring Series, will be down there as well. And um, it's going to be a great show. By the way, I looked today, and again, it's only Monday, but I think this will only improve. Sunshine and 52 degrees for the drop of the green flag at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. You better not leave your house for the week, because if I get <laughs> if I get a call on Sunday morning and said,
0: "Can you go?" Because Zach's sick.
1: Oh, not that ain't happening again. Not gonna happen, my friend. I'm fired up and ready to go. Uh, we've got the hotel booked for Saturday keep, night to keep go. The, keep the lemons in the water handy. Fruit uh, every single day. Um, yeah. So first time, first time since Winchester for you, right? Uh, we did the ice racing thing up in the Sioux, which oh, yeah. was there you know you kind of an off you know just kind of a, a playing around thing. But now it's for real, Rich. Uh, we're going to put the CRA gear on. Uh, racing starts at 2 o'clock. Gates open at noon if you want to make the trip. It's about, uh, about 2.45, 2 hours, 45 minutes from the state line, depending on where you're coming from. And um, if you can't make the trip, it is free to subscribers on RacingAmerica.tv. It'll be under the VORS Compact Touring Series banner, but it is uh, available on Racing America this weekend. So looking forward to that. Of course that I have Racing America, and I am a subscriber. So I got to... I got to log on and support my guy here, right? I'm going to be getting criticism text messages all afternoon. I can't wait. Of course you will. You know it. Hey, and then how about this? Our friends on the dirt are getting ready to race in just one week's time. Not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday, Rich. The new chapter of NRA uh, under the direction of Barry Marlowe, alongside the Great Lakes Super Sprints and the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints are set to unload at Waynesfield Raceway Park on Saturday, April 8th. That is, of course, weather permitting and uh, to be determined on whether or not yours truly will hold a microphone or or if uh, our good friend Brian from Attica and Fremont will make the trip over there and take care of that one. Yeah, I was going to say, you could have just stayed down in Ohio all week. Yeah, Yeah, I know. So there you go, uh, friends. It is race season. It is here. We're going. It's getting there. Green is out. And uh, who knows, by this time in two weeks, we, we might be interviewing uh, some race winners from our region because after this, right, we've got Waynesfield on the 8th, then it's Easter. 14th and 15th, I haven't figured out if I'm going anywhere or staying home. But then Icebreaker the, weekend, right? I yeah. think. Oh, yeah, I think you're right at Berlin. Yeah, yep. I think you're right. And Icebreaker then, weekend. 21st and 22nd, the Great Lakes Super Sprints are at home at I-96 and Crystal Speedway, and after that, We'll see you We're in on a roll. We'll see you in November. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I do want to say thanks. Uh, thank you for sending up Bob Stute. What a cool interview. Um, by the way, we never snuck it in. I think that he clocks in at seventy five years old. Um, will be seventy six this year, I think. I don't think he's that old. You don't think so? They've got him I... they've got him listed as eighteen in nineteen sixty five uh, on the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. Wow. So if the math is correct, uh, that's that's what I've got him at. Now, I could be wrong.
0: If he is, then I'm very surprised. Um, you know, we carpool every once in a while because we, we enjoy fellowship. And so we, car, <laughs> we, 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 we carpool um, to have beverages at, at maybe some, you know, adult entertainment facilities from time to time. And I don't know if he's 75. I would – be very shocked if he was that old. Well,
1: it's uh, it says in 1965 when Bob was. If 18, he isn't, I'm
0: sorry, but I'm I, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because I got to see him all summer.
1: I'm just I'm just telling you what the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame entry says in 1965 when Bob was 18 years old. So, no, that, so, oh, I know what I did wrong. No. he
0: added 10 years.
1: I did. I did. I did. <laughs> what you did. Eh, sorry, Bob. We tried to make you a little almost older 65. than you actually yeah, are.
0: Yeah, he's got me by about five years, I think. Well,
1: yeah. then you're almost 75. How's that? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, we better wrap this thing up before I make uh, too much of a fool of this whole program. This is what happens when the shows go longer than an hour, Rich. Things get out of control. We start thinking of things to talk about. <laughs> Hey, uh, this is
0: called ad libbing
1: for the 55 year old Bob Stute. <laughs> You're playing the averages. Uh, the what did we decide Frank Marshall was? Uh, 60, right? Yeah, I think he said so, he, was, so, he was chasing 60. There you right? go. Um, the 98 year old Rich France and uh, the. T- <laughs> 28-year-old Zachary. 28-year-old yeah. Uh On behalf of the who-knows-how-old Scott Menland, we'll talk to you. Hopefully, please come back. Same time, same place, next week right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.